Hi there, Queens. I'm Dr. Leslie Branch. And I'm Lanier Logan, and this is Hear Me. Black women define the narratives that shape us. Hear Me weaves contemporary and historical weekly conversations to create stronger bonds and lasting legacies. Hear Me is a sacred space where we discuss and define narratives that shape and define who society says we are and find common ground on the things that unite us. She is me, I am her, and we are Hear Me. You can laugh if you want to. So this is, um, I like our new intro. What about you? You like our intro? Um, I I think I do, yeah. How are you going <laughs> to... <laughs> that is hilarious. You are a handful. So what are we talking about today? Hey, everyone. Um, so we're on episode five. This is a big deal. You know that people can't see you, right? So when you like do the flashing five, they don't well, know. Well, you're, you're a person, right? Oh, you were just doing that for me. That was like behind the scenes. Oh, we're episode five, right? Yes. I feel <laughs> you can see me, right? You're somebody. People can see me. I, uh, oh, wait. <laughs> you are somebody. What was <laughs> you is kind. You is smart. And you is important. important. So yes, I am somebody. So we are on, thank you for joining us again. We are on episode five and today we are talking about Blackonomics, Mr. Kanye West, Legacy Building and the New Black Wealth. So what do you think about that? What do I think about that? That is an excellent question. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Well, what do I think about that? I I put on your probably, professor tone. I probably have more questions uh, about that than I do answers. One of the questions is why Kanye? Why? legacy building in Kanye, what is it that he could possibly give us to frame this discussion around? Well, I know like there, so why not Kanye, right? Because he's just so controversial in everything that he does. And I believe he is now uh according to new reports 1.3 billion is his net worth so it's interesting um when you think about legacy building and what that means for african americans it always goes into a very interesting conversation especially when i'm on twitter and i'm looking at the debates um because for Black people, when we say, you know, legacy building, we're really talking about building generational wealth because collectively as a whole, African-Americans are behind um, from Asians, white Americans. So we definitely feel like we have catching up to do. Now, I know because he's married to 
Kim Kardashian, and she is not considered Black or African American, and she is Armenian. You know, the conversation becomes, or I've seen the conversation shift to, well, he isn't legacy building because his kids are mixed and none of that money is coming back into our community. And so it just always goes into an interesting direction because as an entrepreneur, I never want to get into a space to where I'm telling another entrepreneur what they should do with their money and where they should put it. However, I do think that all of us have a collective responsibility to give back and pull our communities up, at least from where we come from, right? I might not be able to save the world, but you know, I want to, I have these ideas centered around things that I want to do with education and the places that I'm going to start first is where I went to elementary school in the Bronx. Um, those are the places, that's where I'm from, that's where I'm going to start. I didn't go to elementary school in Harlem, so I wouldn't start there. So um, now that we know that he is a billionaire, right? And what do you think about that? Well, and it's not really about not liking him, right? So I'm not a fan of Kanye. So none of this, I'm not a fan and I'm not impressed. However, so, right. I'm not a fan. I, I, I don't follow his music. I don't wear his um, sneakers. I don't know if I could even afford them, to be honest. <laughs> or would you the, like them? His, I think they're like, how much is his sneakers? Like 300 and something dollars? Well, I mean, so I, I would not pay that much for a pair of sneakers so you know i i'm not in a position to just uh pay 300 dollars for a pair of sneakers uh, but yeah I, I guess there are people who who do and who are but that's not me but um i don't know what what do i think about him again it's it's nothing personal uh, what what is interesting to me is why it is so important for him to that the that the world know that he's a billionaire right what why why is why is that so important i mean it to me it seems as though people knowing that he's a billionaire is more important than him being a billionaire and so i guess do you from, mean that for just him in general or because it's important for most people. I mean, being mentioned in the Forbes magazine or working towards getting that type of acknowledgement is a big deal for you professionally. It's like what the Oscars do to actors and actresses, right? So Forbes is kind of like... Um, that step in validation, like you made it. And one could argue that it's white validation because Forbes is not a black owned magazine. It's not um, black enterprise. It's, you know, the demographic is, um, you definitely, they definitely have a demographic of African-Americans, but not a large base, right? But right. it's something to work towards. And and I get that. Uh, so it's it's not, but just the whole, or maybe not the whole way, but 
based on the way it, it was reported, it was just so contentious. And I don't know if the contention was was uh, because Kanye felt that the Forbes folks were cheating him out of. So what know, do you mean? What's the backstory? So our audience. So from from what I understand, Kanye and and Forbes were in some sort of a a dialogue about him being on their list. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand as well, they acknowledged that he was a billionaire, but their acknowledgement did not equal in dollar amount, i.e. billions, mm-hmm. what Kanye's people or Kanye uh, said he was worth. And so there was this back and forth between Kanye's folks and the folks at Forbes about how much in terms of billions he was worth. Mm-hmm. And it was just contentious. Um, and, and so I thought that was just very interesting um, because again, all right, so you, you explained the allure of being on the list. You know, one of the things that I wanted to ask, what is the allure of being on the uh, Forbes billionaire list? Well, I guess it's the equivalent of a Tony or an Oscar or an Emmy or something like that. I mean, it's it's public recognition, though. It's like, it's a universal, it's a global magazine. It's a high standard. Not everyone makes the Forbes. Um, It's a big deal if you're able to be recognized by that magazine um, as someone to watch and to look out for who's making it and paving the way. And it's an incredibly big deal for African-Americans because we don't typically get that type of national um, acknowledgement for what we're doing. And, and, and touche, right? I, I totally understand that. And again, part of what makes it important to have Black folks represented on the Forbes billionaire list is that it, it, it creates a narrative, right? We're not uh, all welfare kings or queens or anything like that. And even though the number of billionaires pales in comparison uh, relative to white billionaires, still representation matters. But when I think about other black billionaires who are on the list and and two come to mind right off the top of my uh, head, Oprah and uh, Robert Smith, they, didn't act in such a contentious way to, to be on the list. I don't know if that's because they're consistently on the list. Uh, you know, vis-a-vis this was Kanye's first time on the list and he just felt that he needed to, to not be cheated out of, of something. But I don't know. It just, it was interesting to me. So I do think it's a little pretentious and even in the article that I read about the topic when it comes to Kanye West, it was like, literally, it said, after reviewing his finances, upon request, Forbes says Kanye West is now officially, so he requested it, right? And so I think, 
So I get the pretentious part. And the other part is Kanye West is all about vanity. Like he screams narcissist to me. So he wants people to know what he's doing, when he's doing it, how he's doing it. And if this is accurate, then it makes Jay-Z second on the billionaire list. And so I think it's that competition that they have between each other also because for whatever reason they've fallen out it's like all of these back and forth between the two of them they didn't go to his wedding Beyonce and Jay-Z they went somewhere else and so I don't think that they're really friends in the way that they've been friends um so I think that that part is a little interesting I just don't know if I believe that he's a billionaire though and not because I doubt him, but because he's connected to the Kardashians and their fakery. So Kylie Jenner was honored in the magazine as being a self-made billionaire. And I had issue with that because she wasn't self-made. Right. Like self-made is somebody who had no connection to wealth or, you know, who pulled themselves up from their bootstrap. That's self-made. She wasn't self-made as all at all. And so now... Um, there is this big contraction because they realized that she inflated her net worth. And it was the scandal that was going around with a lot of blogs. Um, one of the vloggers, I think her name is Tasha K. Tasha K, she had broke this like maybe two months ago, but that it, she was trying to hide the fact that it was about to come out, that she's not really worth a billion. Mm. And you know, the Kardashians is all about fame and publicity and attention. So it doesn't, when it comes to Kanye, I don't know if he's really made a billion. I, I don't want to, I'm not doubting it because I'm not a fan of him, but it's just kind of like, I wonder with his connection with this family, if it's real. Right. And so whether it's real or not, I know that he has money. He's made millions. He is successful. People buy his music. People, even with the Trump scandal, people are still following him. Um, my biggest thing is I'm just wondering when it relates to the state of Black America and just what's happening, Does he? can we really expect him to have a responsibility to give back to at least Chicago and his community? Oh, wow. And is that a fair expectation of anyone, right? Like our, because we know that, um, that you don't have to be public in the way that you give back. But what's interesting is that Kanye is so public in everything else. So I know that him and Kim have paid for George Floyd's daughter's college education. Mm -hmm. um, I know that Kim has been contributing to getting people out of jail. Um, getting off of these long-term prison sentences. And while I think that's great and it's admirable, um, I'm just wondering, I, like, I don't, I don't know. Are they moved to do this? Like, <laughs> who's doing, I, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, so it's, it's interesting that you you raise that because it speaks to motivation right what is motivating you to do this and just given who the kardashian uh clan is i.e the whole queens or kings or of reality tv 
is this just another way for them to keep that that line or that that brand alive to you know do these things and then you know 20 years down the road or maybe not 20 in in the case of um George George Floyd's 6 year old mm-hmm. um you know maybe 10 15 years down the road when she's ready for college do they you know do some reality show that follows her life or something i, I don't i don't really know but uh what is what is interesting again to me right so you you said what the allure of uh, the Forbes billionaire list is, it's validation, but whether or not they validate you, right? So take, take for example, I guess Kim's little sister, Kylie, is it? Mm-hmm. She was validated, but then it turned out to be a lie. Right. So is, is the validation the thing that, is the motivation or, you know, is the billion dollars what matters? Well, as an entrepreneur, I think the billion dollars matters to me. I would think so. <laughs> I think it matters uh, because this means that, so I think any, when you set projected goals, financial goals for yourself, the, when you accomplish those goals and consistently and then exceed them, to maybe numbers that you never even imagined that you could of course that that's a form of validation anyway as an entrepreneur like my idea worked i stuck with it my sacrifices my struggle everything that took me to get here this paid for it right like this is the benefits now along with that comes yeah i guess vanity right like you want people to know about it i think the difference is with the other black billionaires they were more conservative in their industries so they weren't necessarily public figures the gentleman who paid for morehouse graduation robert smith he was very low-key he's been running things behind the scenes for years he put like you didn't really see his face everywhere it wasn't plastered everywhere. Like I didn't know what he looked like for a very long time. Now he's, you can identify him more. Like he's more um, in the spotlight and comfortable. And I would imagine that maybe, you know, there being that wealthy and being black has to be kind of hard because the expectation is that you're always going to help, that you're supposed to help. You made it this far and you have to. And maybe when you're building your career, it's easier to just put your head down and work so that you are not stopped and your, your money is not stopped or you're not interrupted in the things that you're trying to do. It just seems more so that now he's so accomplished in his career that, yeah, now I can help. I can pay for this whole class of, of Morehouse. I can afford to be public because I'm a billionaire and I'm attached to so many different things that it doesn't matter if people pull out funding or certain people don't want to support, it's okay because my money is okay. I'm secure where I am. I don't think that that's the same thing for Kanye. I just think that he wants to be known as 
like the goats. I think he wants to be known as like this person who is helping with everything. I just don't know how that equates to black wealth and it's beneficial to the community. Well, I mean, I'm guessing if he decided to pay the student loans of a, a group of folks graduating from an HBCU, or even if he decided to not do that, how about contributing to an HBCU and their endowment to help to help students and, and the institution. But that would have to be important to him. So if we remove, if we remove that part, right? When you think about legacy building and black wealth, what do you think about? What comes to mind? Well, what comes to mind is creating opportunities for those who are coming behind you to be in situations to have opportunities to either get an education or maybe get some seed capital to start a business. And so the, the notion of creating wealth means that, to my mind, that you have something that you can use to generate wealth. And so whether that is a down payment for a home because the way most people hold their wealth is in their homes, or if, if it means financing somebody's education so they are debt-free, so when they graduate, a whole chunk of their, sal a whole chunk of their, um, their salary when they start working doesn't go uh, back to pay student loans because you know, they had to go into debt to finance the education. And by the way, um, from a student loan standpoint, black folks take out more student loans because they don't have the assets to pay for college. And so when they finish college, they have more student debt on average than white folks that go to college. I can't remember how many times more debt and because black folks, when they are trying to make their way professionally, not, they, they typically don't just stop at the bachelor's degree. They get higher uh, degrees. And particularly among African-American women, they are the largest, I want to say, they out-earn men in terms of college degrees. And the way that they pay for those college degrees, particularly at the graduate level, is student loans because TAP and Pell don't, don't cover uh, graduate education. And so if you really want to give back and create legacies, you know, fund some of these HBCUs or commit to paying uh, college for a group of black young men and women who who are in college because when they leave college they're going to leave with a massive amount of debt and they will that will further delay their start in life because they are going to have to pay back student loans over the course of maybe 10 15 possibly 20 years 
So does that mean that you, a person or a, a millionaire, right? So an African-American millionaire or a billionaire where the expectation is for them to only fund education or should they fund the things that mean something to them that relates to legacy building and, and general wealth creation? So, so maybe yeah. I don't fund you to go back to school, but I am buying up the community and in buying up the community, I'm developing the community, making sure it's community center, resources, affordable housing, you know, safe housing. Like what, what does that, what does that look like? So I, I just, I don't like to use the word expectation because I don't know that it is right to put an expectation on someone who has done well, right? Someone who has become a billionaire. But if, so, so what, is, what is my argument? If you want to wear the shoe, then there are some, th there, there are some things that uh, crop up around wearing the shoe. Right, there, there are a set of expectations that are built into particular positions. So, for example, thinking about uh, folks who are professional athletes, they didn't sign up to be role models, but guess what? You're a role model. Mm -hmm. And because you are in the public eye, there are expectations. Now, whether or not those expectations are justified, the fact of the matter is is that those expectations exist and when those expectations exist and then they are acted upon in some ways there is a legitimation a, a legit a legitimizing of those expectations right and so for example we have this racial unrest happening in this country now uh, we have COVID-19 happening now, and we see people who are extremely wealthy and well-to-do donating $100,000. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, for example, just uh, his foundation donated a, a whole lot of money to, I want to say, the uh, legal defense of people who get arrested for protesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, other folks are donating uh, money to the COVID effort. And so there's an expectation in some ways that if you are financially able, you are going to use some of that money that you have earned, some of that wealth that you have generated uh, to give back for the public good in whatever a crisis or, or uh, humanitarian effort that is happening. And so in that way, if there is an expectation, then yeah, if I think that you should, if you're able to give back and, and do something that you're passionate about, but when there is also a crisis of, hum, you know, uh, a humanitarian issue, if you are able to, you should. And the expectation should not be that I'm doing this and I want recognition for it, right? The whole point of 
being, oh, how do you call it? Altruistic means that you do something simply because it is good to do. You're not looking for any reward uh, behind it. You're not looking for praise behind it. And so there, to, to, the, to the folks who engage in these actions of donating and, and, and paying it forward, so to speak, don't do it because they are looking to be recognized. So and should the everyday person be a part of that then? We shouldn't necessarily wait for, so for African-Americans, should there be a black tax? And just meaning that we are, there's a certain amount of money that we are dedicating to a fund that speaks to the issues and challenges and things that we want to see happen to support us. So again, people have agency and they will do what they want with their money. Uh, and so I don't know that we can make it, and, and mandatory isn't the right word. I don't think that we can put expectations on people. But I will say this, thinking about a speech that Martin Luther King Jr. had given in, I believe it was the 60s, he admonished people, ordinary people, not billionaires, but ordinary blacks, that the, the, the cost for freedom would, would be costly. And so to engage civically meant not only just going out to protest, but it meant donating to organizations like the NAACP. And he admonished people to do that collectively as a way to help move forward the, uh, the civil rights and, and the whole effort toward freedom. Mm -hmm. And so, interestingly, with, with I guess, Kanye, and, and going back to this notion of legacy building, what is it that he is doing? I don't, I don't know, again, because I don't follow him or what it is that he does, but if you want to legacy build and uplift, put money into causes that will help Black people, marginalized people, get a start in life. And that's usually some sort of seed capital that will allow them to invest and, and build some wealth. That, that will allow them to purchase some sort of a, an asset, uh, a wealth building asset, right? So buying up the community is one thing, but then are you going to, you know, maybe give a housing grant or a land grant? Are you going to invest in some sort of a training so people can build skills that will translate into jobs and not have them end up in a bunch of debt trying to get that education? Um, 
you know, or can you use some of that money if you're trying to create a legacy to help people get out of that? Now, one, one thing that I noticed that some, some folks have done, and I don't know the name of the folks because I'm guessing they have done this either anonymously or, or what, but there have been people who have had financial means that have purchased the medical debt of people and have paid it off. Because I guess when people go into medical debt and it gets turned over to collections, collections purchases it for a fraction of the cost, and what they do is pay it off. And so people who were wiped out, their savings was wiped out, and the collectors are still after them to pay this medical debt, people purchase it. So there, there are any number of, of things that I guess someone like Kanye, if he were interested in legacy building with his new black wealth that he could do. And, and it's just not about, you know, see me, see me, I'm a billionaire. So if we stepped aside from that for a minute, and I know that this was something that you had mentioned before, but what's the difference? Are people clear about the difference between wealth and income? I, I don't think they are, right? And so, and, and, that's probably because, in part, people are not taught what the difference is. Okay, so break it down for us. What's the difference between income and wealth? Well, income is active for the most part. Uh, you do have passive income, but income is something that you work for, either actively or passively. Wealth, essentially is any asset that you own um, that can appreciate, right? So, mm -hmm. and wealth typically tends to be um, intergenerational. Wealth is, is, is an abundance of valuable possessions or money, mm -hmm. right? And so that can take the form of land, it can take the form of stocks, it can take the form of jewelry, it, it can take, the form of a lot of things and it usually uh in some instances appreciates um and it's usually passed down from one generation to another and so what is interesting to me is this this notion of of new uh wealth right is is that even a thing new wealth if wealth is old, how can it be new? Because it's um, new to you and your lineage. So if I'm the first person in my, you know, in my family to become a millionaire, then I'm the first person to generate wealth for my family and for, for my legacy, for my children, my grandchildren, but also for my parents and my grandparents and my siblings. Like, I am the first person and naturally the area that would be benefit who would benefit from that would be my community the one that I'm in at the moment. So but what I what I would push back and say or maybe not push back what I would question 
is in terms of the wealth that you would have as a first generation millionaire, how, how was that wealth acquired? Right. And, and so if it was acquired primarily through work, then that is kind of income. It's, it's, it's income. Income is a component of wealth. And I think what people tend to do is conflate income with wealth. Okay. And that's, that's a challenge. So while you're building wealth, it, it, it's, and wealth is usually diverse, right? Wealth is not just income. Wealth can be property. Uh, so if in your right investments in stocks, um, other kinds of assets, I'm sorry, say again. Inheritance. Right. And, and so if the only way that one creates wealth is through working, then that's just one form that that's just income. That that's income. And, and so I guess what I'm trying to understand is because if I am the first person to create the million dollars, I'm mm-hmm. the wealth is starting with me. So naturally, if I made the million, the, my first million by starting my own business, that's still wealth creation because I started something. The million that I made is not going to end right then and there. It's going to, I mean, if I have the right people around me and I have a good idea of how to continuously increase my earning potential, I'm going to use that to diversify whatever I'm doing. I'm going to buy real estate. I'm going to invest it in stocks because I want to keep this going. I'm going to create a trust for my children and buy property and make sure that I own this. So where my family is staying, like, I think that that, so for me, my assumption would be that would be a part of creating wealth. Right. It, it would. And, and to something that you said, it, it perhaps starts out through something that you're doing. So active, actively creating wealth, but then at some point, the, you don't work for the wealth. You put the assets to work and then they generate the wealth. Right. And I think a lot of people don't think of wealth in that way. I think that they, and, and this is clear. Well, I don't want to say clearly, but to my mind, Kanye's pretentiousness around being on Forbes list basically shows that he looks at wealth as an outcome, but not an, an input. Right. So wealth, wealth for him, right. So, sorry. But wealth wealth for him is a goal to be achieved. And so, okay, I achieved it. Now what? And and I think when people have that kind of a mindset and if they're not careful to then start looking at wealth as more than just an outcome to be achieved rather than an input that allows a person to have agency 
they could get complacent, right? So we can look at any number of uh, people who have done well, who have been millionaires, and they have nothing to show for it. Be, and I think it's because their mindset around what wealth is, is, is a goal to be achieved. Right. Oh, wealth associated with a number, like, can, you know, I just won, maybe I inherited $350,000. Would that be considered wealth? It, it. Cause it's it, not my it, income. Right. Well, I mean, it's one component, right? So what you would do with that to continue to have it generate would be the important thing, right? Otherwise, if you're thinking of it as just an outcome, okay, look, I, I won, I, I won this $350,000. I'm rich now. Mm -hmm. Right. So people who are billionaires and who are rich folks, they may work actively, they may actively work to earn an income, but what they, their income is just a fraction of a component of their wealth. I remember reading something in a newspaper a few years ago, and I used it as a part of a presentation that said, and, and it said, uh, you probably out earned Elon Musk. And it said that Elon Musk earned $35,000 that year. I was like, well, yeah, I out-earned Elon Musk, but wealth is not the same as income. And well, so I was going to bring that up as an example, because with Jeff Bezos, I think he only makes $83,000 in income a year right. from Amazon, but his worth is trillions, right? Because it's his investment in the company. I believe like the assets and the portion mm -hmm. of the shares that he owns. Right. So that would and, be a part of the wealth. Yeah. And all of the houses he may own, uh, cars that appreciate in value that he, you know, owns. And so, so for, the, for the regular black family though, how do we get there? Right. Because it sounds like we can only get that if we, if we follow this notion or this conversation, one would end the podcast feeling like, well, damn, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that you can create wealth with nothing. Well, I mean, you can. And even with your income, because you have yeah. to start from somewhere. Right. And so you, you definitely would have to start from somewhere. However, comma, <laughs> it, it's... You have to start from somewhere. And if where you start from is your income, we would need to figure out how we could use this income to leverage it in a way that would help us to gain wealth. So does it mean investing in stock? Yes, it possibly could mean that. Does it mean investing in your 401k or your 403b and maximizing it so your taxable income is less than your actual income it could be that as well does it mean maybe trying to 
purchase property, it, it means that. Um, but there are just things that the average black person doesn't have access to in terms of building wealth that the folks who are wealthy have. And, and, and because- um, I beg to differ. So I go think ahead. I think that we are in an information era right now. Mm -hmm. People are walking around with smartphones doing dumb shit. Excuse my language. If all you're doing is taking selfies all day long or, you know, scrolling social media, but you're not looking for substance, information is everywhere. So while you may not be able to wake up to um, a parent or parents who have extreme wealth, like Kim, uh, like Kanye and Kim Kardashian, where they just, they're born in that type of money and they have that access. You can start from the basics of the fundamentals of, okay, let me work on developing a healthy relationship with money. Let me understand how money works. Let me understand the difference between a want and a need. So as I start to get out on my own, what does my credit look like? How am I living? Am I living, I get my paycheck, am I paying myself? Am I taking a portion of my money and putting it into savings? Am I deciding to learn how to invest in stocks and what that means? Because you could still be working your nine to five. I know plenty of people who have worked in nine to five, but they had a plan. And it was like, let me make sure my credit is here. I'm going to buy a few stocks. I'm going to learn. Or I'm going to focus on saving this amount of money every pay period because I want to buy a house. And I want to buy this two family house because I want to be able to rent one portion out. And I want to be able to be rent free. In that case, one situation starts another, and then you look up and you own multiple properties, or even if you own two or three properties. And if you're generating money from that on top of still working, how your money management skills is what's going to be important. Do you take this new money that's coming in and just constantly go shopping on all these extensive material things and travel? Or do you say, I'm going to take this now and reinvest it here. I'm going to throw this money and start playing in stocks. I'm going to go here and I see this business model and I want to see how I can invest in this franchise so I can have multiple locations. Like it starts from one thing. I just, I think that the space that we're in right now in 2020 and maybe even the last five to 10 years, we're in the information era. So there's no excuse. Whereas maybe when my, when I was born in the eighties, maybe information and access was less, right? It was in a book or was who you knew and maybe you didn't know how to go about it. And the information wasn't so readily available and maybe you didn't necessarily have access to the people who could willingly give you this information. I just think we're in a different space and I think it's, I think it's possible. Can everybody become a billionaire tomorrow? No, because I think it takes discipline. I think it takes a level of commitment. Do I think it's possible? Sure. Do I think everybody has the characteristics to do that? No, because it will require you to be more disciplined to say no to things 
than it is for you to um i just lost my train of thought but i think it's possible maybe not a billionaire but i think it's possible to generate wealth well not and and believe me i i am not suggesting that it isn't uh but structurally it doesn't seem society has that same uh, goal in mind for people who look like us. Um, there are studies that have been conducted and reports that show people who look like us, i.e. black and brown folks, can have excellent credit, go for a home loan or any, any sort of a loan to purchase an asset, a wealth building asset, and guess what? With our perfect credit, with our good credit, we still get charged a higher interest rate. We uh, can make, you know, far more than the required income level to purchase that asset, have good credit, excellent credit, and still get penalized. And so you want to talk about the black tax? That's mm -hmm. that's the black tax, right? Getting charged more for something just because of the skin that we're wrapped in. Mm -hmm. Whereas somebody who could be a high school dropout and have a minimum wage job goes to apply for a loan to purchase an asset, uh, a, a, um, a wealth building asset and gets charged, you know, a, a very low interest rate. And so I'm not suggesting that income isn't a start for how one can build wealth. And yes, we are indeed in an information age, but if people don't know where to look or what to do with all of the information that's out there, it's, it's not, the information can, can, can be in plain sight and people still won't see it. I would also suggest that, you know, this notion of being an entrepreneur while I'm not suggesting that people shouldn't try to do that, there's only a, a, a fraction of the story that's being told, right? And I, I think you know that all too well, mm -hmm. that sometimes society holds up the beauty of being an entrepreneur and a small business owner, but it's not all glamorous. Of course not. Please, it took me finally... So I'm going to let you finish your point. And so I, I think that um, the notion of, of wealth building, particularly, you know, with regard to uh, Kanye and other young, well-to-do black folks, if legacy building is what you want to do, if you are the talented 10th, that uh, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois spoke about, it is more than just looking the part or 
you know, being the part educationally, it's about putting your mouth, your money where your mouth is. And interestingly enough, WBE Du Bois was so disgusted with a system that would not hear him, that would not allow him to be who he was born to be, who he was ordained to be, a, a, a man, a black man, a successful black man, an educated black man. He just, you know what, packed up his stuff and went to uh, Ghana, I believe it is, and lived out his life there. Uh, and then talk about wealth and legacy building, right? We're going to be celebrating Juneteenth this Friday coming, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, I tell you, the dominant society just does, to my mind, and if I'm, if I'm wrong, somebody will check me on this, but whenever we as Black people are doing well and making strides, it's like they can't stand to see it and they come in and just, you know, trash the place. Right in, in Maryland, I can't remember what, um, what part of Maryland it is, but I remember reading an article about this particular section of Maryland, which is uh, predominantly black, if not all black. The kids there, had to take standardized tests. So and they did French Georges County. Right. And they did extremely well mm -hmm. to the point where the white folks were suspect. They were like, no, nah, these, these people can't have done that well. Mm -hmm. Where they did an investigation to see whether there was some improprieties. Did these, did these black children cheat on this test? Cause there's no way they could be that intelligent that they all, did so well. Mm -hmm. Come to find out, it's a very, you know, civically engaged community collective of black folks who look out for one another. If you're going to live in that community, we're going to hold you accountable. Your, your kids need help. We, we will rally around. Right. And so anything that we achieve it it it's questioned uh and in some way shape or form it is little whether it's system systematically but it's it's picked apart it's it's deconstructed it's destroyed so here here's what i know right here's what i know for certain for one that has always been the case mm-hmm they're always going to question what we do. We're always going to have to work 10 times as hard. We're always going to have to justify and prove. Um, there's always going to be a closer look into what we're doing to make sure we are operating in according to whatever standard operation or procedures or policy, whatever it is in place that we're pursuing. That doesn't mean that you can't do it and you shouldn't do it, right? So even though they investigated the kids in the county, um, the specific area in Prince George's County, I'm not sure, because Prince George's County is really large, but the area in which they were speaking of was a very affluent African-American area. 
Mm-hmm. So they did all of that investigation to spend their money to do so. And they still found out the kids met, the, met. they did what they needed to do. Those were real test scores. Nobody cheated. So right. they made themselves look foolish, but that didn't stop the kids from working towards that. Because right. from what it sounds like from what you're saying is that like, okay, there are all of these places and systems in place. Of course, we know this, which means that we need to have conversations with our kids much earlier about the importance of money. I don't think that African-Americans are informed. And so let me, let me backtrack. Not enough of us are informed enough or have been informed enough to develop our children to understand what the relationship with money should be like. Um, You would see that in a lot of Jewish households, you know, what Caucasian, like they have those conversations. I have a few Nigerian friends who have told me that their parents were kind of on them and they talked to them about it, but it was something that they learned because the money aspect was a part of their line, like a part, their parents taught them that. So Mm -hmm. we are, as a generation, are constantly learning and evolving with every new level that we reach. Right now, I know far more 30-year-old, 25 to 30-year-olds who are making six figures than I've ever met and who are African-American, who I've ever met who are my age, 39. So it's very doable. I think if if we focus on the fact of what society has created for us not to do, that would be more of a reason why people wouldn't do it. So yes, we know these loans and things are gonna be created to keep us in our place. That what that has absolutely nothing to do with that individual saying, listen, here's what I did. I made sure my credit score was here. I made sure my money was here. I pulled together my resources. I have the income. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what my next steps are. Like that's what, what we know as a people we're resilient we know how to overcome obstacles we know how to make do with less we know how to turn um we know how to turn something into um you know nothing into something like that's what we know how to do we always like there's always a barrier so i just want to make sure that we're being clear like Because from where I'm sitting, of course, I know entrepreneurship is not easy, right? I know because I see it on um, Instagram, on social media all the time. People are making it seem like this nine to five, uh, excuse me, not nine to five, but this entrepreneurial life is all glitz and glamour. Please, I've been homeless for six weeks when my daughter was 18 months. I've had several eviction notices. I've made a lots of money. I didn't make money. Like I've lost friends. I've like struggled. I've been depressed. Like the only thing that has kept me going is the fact that I know that I have purpose and I have a gift and I'm going to pursue this dream and make it happen. And it took for 15 years for me to finally financially be in a space to where my business is generating money for me on my own. That, but that took 15 years. That took 15 years of risk. That took years of saying, you know, you know what, I'm not going to this party. Or I'm not going to buy this bag. I'm going to put this back into my business. It took a lot of trials and errors. So nothing is overnight. But if you want it bad enough, you're going to work for it. And, and so to your, to your point, 
um, part of legacy building is those who have made it need to reach back and create the legacy through sharing the information, right? There, there doesn't, I'm guessing, tend to be enough trickle down of what we have learned to those who are coming behind us. And, and you know, so clearly this is, I think, <clears throat> at the heart of you and I in terms of creating this podcast. Mm-hmm. We want to take what we know and, and lessons that we've learned and put it out there and pour it into um, folks who are coming behind us, right? So we're definitely working on bridging um, gaps, right? And so, yes, we, we definitely need to share these things uh, in terms of, of education and, and, and things that people who may not be in a position to share. Right. So you, you have mentioned there are lots of folks out there whose parents are, are sharing with them, but there are probably just as many out there who, because they don't know themselves, can't share this information. And oh, so right. we, we definitely need to create a, a collective and, and it needs to not just be so, you know, I can be on a list or I can be admired for, right? You, you, you made it, share your secret. How did you do it? Right. There's enough space at the table for all of us to sit down. Um, And just because I might make it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to take bread out of your mouth. And so I think even the way we think about things, probably needs to change as well, particularly around information sharing about wealth. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, so I think what's important is, is that there's so much information, especially on the internet, it's oversaturated with information. Mm-hmm. And you have to be dedicated to find out what information works best for you. I have a thing about taking certain advice when it comes to business and money management advice from white men or white women, partly because what you're telling me to do doesn't always work for me as a woman of color, as a black woman. Mm-hmm. Those same opportunities are not necessarily afforded. Um, the way you may be able to be assertive in some areas or um, request or demand negotiations for salaries or even just walking into a bank and just asking for a loan and information, like all of that process is completely different the resistance is much greater for me than it is them. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, I take their information loosely if I feel like they made it, but there's so many of us who are actively already doing it, right? And you'll never really know unless you take the information and apply it to yourself. 
So yes, there's free information all over the place, but I do think that people have to get comfortable with investing in themselves, investing in the things that you want to know. If this person is selling information to you, um, and I go back and forth with this, you're not paying me for my knowledge as much. You're not paying to have a conversation with me as much as you're paying for my expertise and my experience. You're coming to me because I have already paved the way and I've done certain things to mm -hmm. put you in a, to be in a position to where I can charge for this. So I think sometimes black people are always, and I don't want to even say all black people, so I need to watch that, right? But a lot of times people have this expectation that they shouldn't have to pay for things because we're black and we're all struggling. No, that's not okay because you would pay Jen or you would pay Kevin the money quickly if they told you that you needed to pay. So I think we need to get out of thinking that we don't need to pay for information. Because when it comes to us, it seems like we'll justify why we shouldn't pay each other. Now, do you have a lot of people who are selling BS? Of course you do, right? Even today, there's information that I'm going to share when it comes to um, some places that I know that you can go to directly that have certain specific services that would be great for this topic of conversation for generational wealth, right? But I do think that people have to be comfortable with investing in themselves, whether that be time, whether that be money. Do I think that you should bankrupt yourself? Absolutely not. But you shouldn't be afraid to pay somebody a consultation. You what, do you mean, be, what do you mean bankrupt yourself? So there's a course that somebody's selling or someone is selling. So you know how like um, you'll get all of these free invites and Damon John used to be a part of them too, where they have this free informational session and they're telling you all these things and then you have hundreds of people coming out and you sit there for this two hour seminar and they tell you all these things, get you hyped up and let you know like, oh, well you could do this and you can make a million or you could do this. And then you go to the table and they're like, sure, uh, three installments of $6.99 <laughs> and you make a down payment today of $1,500, like that's not realistic for me as a single mom. So now it makes it seem like the dream is deferred. It's never going to happen because my rent is $1,700. I can't afford to give this person my rent money. That's what I mean about bankrupting yourself. Oh, okay. Do, do you necessarily have to have this $20,000 course to get started and get the information you need? No, you don't necessarily got to have that. You want it because of the name that's attached to it because you think that that's what it's going to get you the results that you want. But the reality is, it's really information. There's so much information. It's like, how, how, how much resources are you connected to, right? Like if we all are working and we're paying our city dollars, our taxes, every state in the United States has a local job center, has a local small business solutions, has a local non-for-profit that provides tax information 
for free, to, especially when it comes to residents who live in the community and they make under 50 or 30 or $40,000. And they will tell you in whatever their mission is, right? And they are giving people free information. Here's how you can do your taxes. We can do your taxes. If you want to start a business, here's the information. Take this class here. Take this here. All of this information is here. You don't always have to pay for things, right? Get as much information that you can. And then when it's time for you to pay something, you're not just paying for the basic for the basics, right? You're so mm -hmm. well informed that you're like, okay, here's actually what I need. I know what these steps are and I've done this, but now this is what I'm looking to pay for because this is what I need, right? And I think that people are not always willing to pay for things. Some people are willing to go to the extreme, but entrepreneurship or anything, I don't even want to say entrepreneurship as much as anything that you want requires risk and it takes investment. If you want to stay in a place of stagnancy, then cool if this works for you. But we can no longer, COVID should have showed people that you cannot depend on your employer's salary. You cannot live in a household and have one salary and just depend on that one income. That's not going to work. If, you're, if you are a single person in a household and there is no children, you should have a few different income streams happening. If you are a parent in a household and you have a small person, you can't afford to just solely be in that household with one income because having a kid, they're going to, they're going to have expenses, last minute expenses that you can't occur. So COVID has shifted people from not even being able to depend on their main nine to five jobs. So now you're in a deficit. Now you're running up your credit cards or you're relying on unemployment or whatever other, you know, uh, possibly child support. Like you shouldn't be in a position to where it's just one income is what I'm trying to say, right? And all of this goes to you deciding, do I want different? It's really a, de a decision. Do I want to struggle for the rest of my life? Do I really want to continue to rob Peter to pay Paul? That is not a fun life. That is not fun to be able to, when your kid asks for something, even if it's small, like an icy or ice cream and say, you don't have it, not because you're trying to teach them that they can't have everything they want, but because you don't have the money to buy it. That is devastating. So I just, I'm coming from a space of, I just don't believe in making things seem like they're unachievable. I already know that as a black woman, that it's the expectation based on my circumstances that I shouldn't succeed. And I'm okay, I'm okay with if that's how you feel about me. That's not how I feel about me. So I know whatever standard you set, I'm going to exceed that. If this is what you're telling me I need, okay, that's fine. I'm, I'll go double back and I'll go figure it out and then I'll get it and then I'll keep moving forward. I just think that I want people to start thinking about wealth as more possible, right? Like that's why we'll, people are so frustrated with Kanye or other celebrities, even Jay-Z. I mean, we can name any wealthy celebrity that has a lot of money and people sit back, well, they should be doing more. But I honestly think that as regular black people, average hardworking Americans, yeah, why can't we afford to put $50 or $20 into a fund that speaks for us? 
that works for us that that um i don't know the name of the fund but i think it's called the it's not the ajc or the apac for israel and jewels um i think it's like apac or something like that but it's a political fund and jewish people pay into that as a people as a whole they pay into that to have them fund things that they need for israel for um to help them so when they go to these politicians that fund all of that money goes to pay lobbyists pay whoever they need to have these conversations we don't have that well i wouldn't say we don't have that when i had referenced dr king's speech it, it at the time it was the NAACP that he admonished people to contribute to. I'm um, not fooling with the NAACP. However, <laughs> however, at that time that may have been something that was important. But as you see, even them they face to the background, right? We don't. This generation doesn't necessarily respect them as much because. They are not seen. Um, they are not. We can't afford to be an organization that represents the people that comes out when the cameras is out. I need to see an organization or a non for profit that's in the community. Like when I look at the Urban League, they're in the community. Their offices are in the community. Some of the people who work there work in the community. They have events for youth, adults, job fairs, like they're in the community. So my expectation for any organization that's gonna operate like a non-for-profit like the NAACP and speak for us, yes, you may be on a larger scale to where you're focused on policy and all of these other areas, but What's the point of having local chapters that are not seen? You can't just be sitting in a church because we're not in churches. So maybe the Urban League is the, the National Urban League. Maybe that is the, uh, the organization that should probably be spearheading um, a fund where folks can donate maybe or maybe it's not them maybe it's another fund in its entirety that solely focuses towards our economic development and political advancement in the country like i don't believe that everything should be put all on one organization because they're already doing something that's so well everything right. has a lane right every org has a lane and so we need one where we do have a fund that could speak for us so where we do we can say collectively as a people we're throwing this twenty dollars or twenty five dollars even if it's twenty five dollars a year if you're if you're just a single person it's like oh for twenty five dollars a year we're all donating if you're a household of you know two to three maybe seventy five a hundred dollars whatever that looks like and we're all putting this in this fund and that fund is solely for political or economic advancement we would have a better chance or maybe we would feel more supported at the possibilities of creating generational wealth i just don't think that it should solely and i'm not a kanye fan like i'm just especially once he put that red hat on i was completely checked out 
I'm just totally checked out from him and his antics. I like, I just can't deal. Right. But I do think that it could be, we have to manage our expectations as maybe fans and as black people that we don't expect for them to save us. Like people expected Obama to save us. We can have an expectation for them to do more or to do their part, but how can we ask another person of color to do more than what we're willing to do on a day-to-day basis? Well, that's a fair, that's a fair question. Um, but I think some of it, again, um, just may revolve around people not having the agency because they just lack, uh, they, they lack the ability to uh, either understand how to use the tools that are there or just may be ignorant or not cognizant that such tools even exist. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there, there's validity on both sides of the, um, of the discussion for sure. And hopefully this discussion that we're having tonight will wake people up and, um, make them hungry to want to know what it is that they can do, how they can be in the driver's seat in terms of agency around building wealth. Okay. So what do you, what would you like your call to action to be for the audience today? Uh, So my call to action would be to take a class, find a class, right? So at the top of our discussion, you had mentioned um, there are lots of things that are free that someone could do to increase their knowledge. Mm -hmm. And you also mentioned something around the fact that a lot of people just have the internet in their hands but are doing dumb stuff with it. You didn't say stuff, but I'm going to say. And so what I would recommend in terms of a call to action, do a keyword search. Try to find some of those free MOOCs, massive online open courses that deal with uh, financial literacy or, or intro to finance or something like that where they can get a basic understanding of, of the principles of finance and, and, and things that they can do. Uh, another call to action that I would, I would do is, is something that I have done now for several years. And I'm going to, it's kind of heavy. But uh, this jar that I'm going to show you, it's a raw honey jar. Mm-hmm. It's full of coins. And every day, although I haven't been going out because of Rona, um, but every day after I come home from a day, I just take whatever pocket change that I have 
mm -hmm. and throw it in to this honey jar. I have another one as well. And, you know, we just fill these up. At some point, you know, we will probably um, count them up and, and turn it into to dollar bills, or maybe we won't. We do mm -hmm. the same thing with pennies. Every time we have pennies, we have one of those water cooler jars and we just throw the pennies My in that jar. Used to have that. <laughs> uh, awesome. What else is there? So we, we do that. Uh, if you can, buy a savings bond every time you get a couple of dollars. I think the lowest denomination they sell savings bonds in is $25, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't bought one in, in ages. But mm -hmm. uh, the face value of a savings bond, what you're paying for it in cash, I think is half. If I'm not, it, it, again, it's, it's been a long time. But try to find ways to lock up some money in an instrument that allows it to increase in interest. Right? You buy a savings bond, you throw it in, in, a, in a box and you let it mature uh, for seven years. And then when you cash it in, you get the full value of it. I have a savings bond, it's crazy. I have a savings bond that I bought when I was in the United States Navy. I got out of the Navy in 1986. This mm -hmm. is 2020. I haven't cashed that bond in. I should probably frame it or give it to my kid or something. But um, those are calls to action. Find simple ways that you can just sock away a couple of um, dollars so you can start creating some sort of seed capital that you can then plow into a different, more lucrative um, asset, uh, wealth building asset. And I would also consider this, back to this notion of community. And, and this is really big among uh, folks who are of African and uh, Caribbean descent. These things called susus. Oh yeah, uh, I talk about those all the time. Or I, I can't remember what, what else they call them, but if you, and, and the, the whole notion behind a susu is you have to trust the people that you're, you're moving into that relationship with because every week or every payday, you are required to put up X number of dollars. And then each week over the course of, I don't know how many months, everybody gets paid a lump sum of money. That's also another way to develop or, or create seed capital. And, and there are lots of people who have participated in those kinds of wealth building uh, assets to pay for weddings, pay for vacations. Yeah, group economics. For, yes, save for home uh, down payments on homes. So don't uh, don't dismiss those types of uh, activities think, as well. So I think that that's 
the susu is a good thing, but I often say to people, um, you have to know who you're doing it with. So yeah, there are a lot of newer generation people who don't really know how to under, like you can't operate a susu without people who lack integrity because right. then they will get their collection of money and then won't put in and that puts the burden on someone else. And I think that is something that comes along with trust and just learning people and really knowing who your closest people are that you're able to pull that money together um, mm -hmm. to do something like that. But no, susus, susus are still happening. Some people do susus at like $5,000 a pot. Like, you know, it's built up to that. Of course, they didn't start out at that. But um, I know someone whose uncle, their pot is like 5000 a week, but they've been doing this since they came here. Mm -hmm. So it started out at one and they all were able to start their businesses. They're in a position to where they can continue to do the susu at that one. So those are really good calls to action. I think, um, so my call to action is really, I want people to start knowing the resources that are in their city, in their county, in their states that are free and readily available to them. So they need to Google their nearest job center Usually, depending on the area that you're in, most times, if you're in an underfunded area, your library may not have all of the different community resources that are in that library, right? In New York City, I think I'm, we're fortunate because they're heavily funded, not always in certain areas, but everybody can access the Sybil Library on 34th in Madison, right? And so SCORE is a federally funded program uh, that helps entrepreneurs or small, uh, small businesses start businesses. They have mentors that are former retired CEOs, CFOs of all different industries, and you get to sign up for free um, have a relationship, uh, professional, of course, schedule consultations, pick a mentor that works for the area that you are interested in starting your business or where you need the assistance from. And you get an opportunity to sit with a business coach who they may not always look like you, nine times out of 10, they don't. However, they have the experience and the background that you may want to have access to because um, information is important. Um, if you are, there's a small business solutions in every center. Um, there are small, those centers normally have tax organizations that are associated that help people in the community who make under a certain amount of money. So if you make under $40,000 a year, they're able to do your taxes for free. Um, they're also able to provide different classes to tell you what write-offs especially the more people are doing Uber and Lyft. There are all of these 1099 free classes to tell you how to write off information on your taxes. Mm -hmm. um, that's a part of knowing, like we're paying for these things, we're in these communities, knowing the resources that are around you are the fastest way for you to increase your earning potential just by access. If you can utilize the free resources that are readily available for you, 
that's a, a foot in the right direction. That can help you before you start to run out and pay for things that you don't know what you're getting for, what you're getting specifically. Um, do you have any book recommendations? Uh, so the book recommendation for this episode is so that's me just uh doing a little bit of music until i can uh get the you buying yeah so i believe i said for this episode the book recommendation would be i think i said it would be Dalton Conley's, uh, what is it, Being Black, Living in the Red. And the subtitle is Race, Wealth, and Social Policy in America. Do you have a book recommendation? I lady? actually have, so it's, it's two. So one is an ebook. Um, so this is the financial starter kit. Uh, it's by Bees. This is a really amazing uh, starter kit. I know that she has 20% off. I think it's really important for us to start to connect more with financial literacy individuals who are doing it and living it. Um, I've personally purchased this financial starter kit. I am um, not a paid affiliate. Just want to make sure that's clear to everybody. But I just think that um, B, she's doing some amazing things. So it focuses on bank accounts, money allocation, net worth, investing, credit, home loans. There are all of these sections, trades, and it's really having a really in-depth conversation with you about money, right? Uh, and then it's this really... I, for me, it's the icing on the cake, the Excel uh, spreadsheet that comes along with it, because it helps you really take a look at where you are presently with your salary and your income, and you're kind of populating that in, figuring out what, you're, what you should be saving, how you can allocate funds. But I think anything that has to do with wealth creation is really about having a realistic picture of where you are financially. And having... And you said it's so, by Bees? Yeah, so her website is financialstarterkit.com. So that's where you can purchase. Um, her website is capitalsb.com, but, and I'll make sure that we have this in the show notes to where you can go. I think this is a great way to start when it comes to just deciding what, if I want wealth, what does wealth look like to me? What does financial freedom look like to me? And what does it look like? What would I like it to look like for my children, right? So I have one child, Ming, and by the time she is 20, which is in 10 years, I don't want her to choose a career or make decisions based on desperation or because she has to because she needs money. I want her to be in a position to where she can pick and choose where she wants to go um, because that's the type of life I'm just, I want to create for her, right? right. Um, now, the other thing is, is 
I want people to start thinking about increasing your earning potential. And increasing your earning potential is really important. And sometimes I think we don't pay enough attention about the everyday things that we use and have access to. Uh, and passive income is really important. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, so many of us um, have someone in our family who was formerly incarcerated, who it may make it harder for them to find employment. So I want to encourage people to check out Marcus Graham. Uh, he does, he's the owner of Joiner Vending Machines and he's an entrepreneur and he teaches other people how to, you know, purchase vending machines and purchase routes. And it's such a lucrative income when it comes to what he's coming in. Like when you think about every time you go into an office building, everywhere you go at work, you see vending machines. Someone owns that. It isn't necessarily the building, but someone owns that. And sometimes it's an individual who owns that. Maybe they own two or three and they fill them up. And the more you buy, you're supporting a small business. Um, And sometimes maybe even a small black business. And Marcus Graham, he's amazing. He gives you a lot of information. I believe the course is like $150, but he helps you with everything from setting up a website to purchasing your first machine to where to go for the products, just all the ins and outs. And I know that there's always so many different scams and things going on. So it's really important for me to identify him solely. And this is something that you can do as an individual, you're working in a job and you could save up a thousand dollars and say, let me purchase this vending machine. Who doesn't want passive income? Like, I think we have to change the way we look at money. I want to see us get to a space to where we're not, we don't always think we have to work so hard to the bones for the money as much as we can. It's about smart money moves. Mm-hmm. and how we invest. And so Marcus Graham, his website is marcusgram.com. And you can kind of look through and check out the course, see all the things that um, you can have access to. He's also on Twitter. His Twitter is Brother Graham. And it's B-R-O-T-H-E-R-G-R-A-M. And B's, her Twitter handle is capital underscore SB. And those are my two recommendations. I feel like they support my calls to action. And I didn't want to just pick one over the other because I know if you go to Marcus, then you're like, oh, well, I need to get my credit right. I need to do this. So get Visa's financial starter kit so that you can learn all you need to learn to understand money. Even if you've never had a money conversation or had a clear understanding, it's a great time for you to get that now. All right. So final thoughts. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Well, I don't know that I have any final, final thoughts. There are, we're definitely at a crossroads politically, and hopefully with our collective action, we can also translate that political crossroads into 
some economic crossroads, some uh, crossroads as it relates to policies around wealth and socioeconomic well-being in our country, but it involves us being involved and it also involves us being knowledgeable. And so we need to do our part in learning about wealth, what it is, how we build it, and how we pass it on. I've, I've heard some Black folks say that when they leave here, they don't plan to leave anything for their children. And I don't think that that's a, a wise thing to do or a nice thing to do because if we don't somehow participate in breaking this cycle of generational poverty, it will continue. We have a long way to go to catch up to generational wealth or intergenerational wealth among white folks, but we have to start somewhere. And so those would be my final thoughts for this episode. Episode. What about yours? So um, I think my final thoughts are more so not so much look at Kanye like he is the example as much as it's possible, especially when you think about where he came from, how he started. Um, he started in the music business producing and as his career progressed, he got into things that he wanted to fashion. I mean, whether we liked it or not, I was totally not a fan. Um, I think the gray and yellow Yeezys are cute. However, once he put on that hat, he was canceled for me. And with all the other comments, he was just like canceled. <laughs> I was already on the fence. However, I do think it's really important for us to start thinking about generational wealth and not only think about it, but be intentional, right? Um, I think the worst thing that could happen is, you know, people are passing away and they can't even afford to, family can't afford to bury them. And um, that's, that's a scary thought, right? And we're working so hard, I think it's important to start thinking about what are you leaving behind for your children and being more intentional about, even if you're just putting away $5 a month, because it's about creating the habit of paying yourself first and understanding that whatever your current situation is, it doesn't have to be the end all, right? There is a way for you to rescue yourself, to move forward, and it's really about, it starts with a decision. Once you decide that I want more and I deserve more, all you have to do is make uh, the first step and everything else that you need will be provided to you as you move along. But it really starts with the decision. And I would like for us to just start choosing to live and think like we're building a future that we want our children and grandchildren to thrive in. All right. So thank you, thank you, party people. And 
Y'all have a good old night. Make sure you leave us some comments. Let us know if you have questions, feedback, um, if you didn't like this topic, or <laughs> if there are topics that you want us to discuss, you can also leave that as well. Did you just say y'all like I did y'all great day in the morning. <laughs> y'all <laughs> a fake southerner. Yes, I did. <laughs> All right. Well, y'all join us next time on dun, 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 Hear Me. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. On that note, it's a Rizzi. Thank you for joining us. You can catch our latest episodes every Tuesday. Hear Me is on Spotify and iTunes. And it's executive produced by me, Leslie Branch, and Lanier Logan. And big thanks to Lil Sourstruck who produced the beat. Till next time, hear me.